Amen. Can we give praise to the Lord today? For his mercy endureth forever. For the Lord is good. Amen. It's good to see all of you today. Thank you. I know it's very hot. And uh, I thank you for coming out. Thank you for being here. To all of our guests, we welcome you today. We mean that. Thank you. And always to Pops and Granny. Um, Some of you don't know, this is Billy and Gloria Tubby. Billy was my dad's best man in his wedding. And that friendship has carried on to me. And they are, they're family and they are, they're not biological grandparents, but they are biological grandparents to our kids. And they are absolutely our family and we love them dearly, and it's always an honor for them to be here. Um, I would start calling names, but then I would um, not get everyone's name, but I'm glad you're here. I really am. Um, we don't come here for a personality. We come here to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus. And I'm glad that all of you are here, but I'm going to just... I just need to tell you a couple things before we get into this, okay? Um, Because I know that there are a number of you that may um, may not see some things the way that I see it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say some things before I get into this word. Number one, you don't have to believe like I believe for me to love you. Okay? You can still come to this church and not believe like I believe. And I'm going to still love you. Did everybody get that? Okay. I'm, I'm not here to, um, I'm not here to hurt anyone. I'm here to do what the Lord asked me to do. And that is to encourage and to equip through the teaching of the word of the Lord. Now, I'm not here if you say, well, I don't see it that way. I'm not here to deconstruct your beliefs. I'm here to only say, would you keep an open mind? And if there is more, would you say, Lord, I'm willing for more? That's, that's all I ask. Okay. If there is more then I'm willing for more. And if you see, you say, Pastor, um, I don't see it that way, then okay. I'm not here, not here in any way to condemn anyone. I'm going to share with you what I see in the Word of God. And after literally hundreds of hours of study, some of the conclusions that I've come to, But again, I love you. I'm not here to hurt you. And if you don't see it my way, then, you know, some things only come by revelation. And all I ask is that you just ask the Lord, that Lord, if this is right, if this is right, then give me revelation. Is that fair enough? Okay. So I'm going to need about 40 minutes of your time. You got 40 minutes for me? 
Okay, we're going to do a lot of scripture this morning. I'm going to do more teaching than preaching. And again, at the end of the day, I want to be very clear to everyone of the sound of my voice. One more time. If you don't agree with me, don't get mad at me. We're not going to be enemies. We're going to still be friends. And you are always welcome in this house. Everybody good? Okay, now let's pray. Father, for the next 40 minutes, would you just help us? Now that we're here, now that we've made the effort to clean ourselves up and to get dressed and to get our babies and our kiddos here, um, now that we've made that effort, help us to be present in the moment. Not to be, Lord, concerned about what we're going to do when we get home or what's going to go on this week. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Father, help us now to just take a deep breath, relax, to receive the word of the Lord. And may, God, your word, may it go forth. And may it do, Lord, its intended purpose in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to talk today about... Is water baptism important? Okay. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of 1 Peter 3 and 20. I'm going to, I'm going to need your attention because I'll be in the King James and I'll be in the New Living Translation. I'll try my best to reference that. So I'm going to start out in the King James Version. I hope it's on the screen. The long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing. Wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Okay. Now I'm going to go to the New Living Translation for the verse 21 because I just think it is a little clearer. And that water, it's talking about the flood, is a picture of baptism which now saves you. Not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. Now this is very important because we're going to tee back on this in just a minute. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is effective and only effective because Christ rose from the dead. If Christ wouldn't have risen from the dead, baptism would be of no essence. Okay, so I know this can be a little ambiguous. I'm going to break it down to try to make this verse make sense. It means that God waited patiently while Noah was building the ark. Now, some scholars believe it took 100 years for Noah to build the ark. Some believe it took 120. Be that as it may, that's not our concern. Whether it took a century or a century and 20 years, it took a while, okay? It took a while for him to build that ark. But eight people were saved by water. And that water is a type of baptism. And here's what the author said that now saves us. He goes on to say that baptism is not about removing dirt or filth of sin from the outer part of your body. In other words, when we baptize today, we're not, we're not baptizing you to get any dirt off of you, your external shell, your flesh. That's not what baptism is about. Baptism is about what happens on the inside of you. Let's go back to this reference in 1 Peter 3 and 20. 
Just like the waters of the flood never touched the eight souls that were saved, it didn't. It did not. The waters of the flood did not touch the eight souls who were saved. What the water did is it washed away sinful man from the face of the earth. The water of of the flood never touched the eight in the ark. It washed away. Okay? Because at the time, why did it wash away? Because at the time of Noah, the, the world was so infected and infested with sin that it grieved the heart of God. Okay? Genesis 6 and 6. Now, therefore, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. Why did God repent that he made man? Because man infected the earth with sin. And it was so wicked and so sinful that God says, I'm going to give them a hundred years or 120 years to repent. But if they don't, then I'm going to get rid of this sin. Now, I want you to go now to Genesis 6 and 13. Genesis 6 and 13, this is seven verses later. And here's the Lord again. He said, I will destroy man whom I have created. Why? Because of sin. So let's recap. God repented that he made man. Correct? If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Seven verses later, now God said, I will destroy man whom I have created. This is very key. I need you to be with me. Now, in your mind and on the screen, go to 2 Peter 2 and 5. This is King James Version. We're going to pick up in the middle of the verse. And spared not the old world. Okay? This is the writer talking about Noah's day. Spared not the old world, but he saved Noah, the eighth person. So eight people were saved in the ark, and it tells us who Noah was. He was a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Right? So what this tells us is that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So God didn't just come in and destroy man because he had committed one sin. God gave them a century at least to repent of their sin. God never, ladies and gentlemen, does not give you a way out. God will always give you and I a way out. This is very important because now what I'm fixing to tell you, you're going to think is harsh. This is very important. When God repents, ladies and gentlemen, He destroys the very thing that he repents of. Now, this is key, meaning that repentance and destruction go hand in hand. Meaning does not mean that God is not merciful. He waited 100 to 120 years for these people to change. But he commanded and asked them through this preacher called Noah to turn to righteousness, and they refused to do it. So here's the thought, and here's the lesson that I got, and I've never seen it before, but it's convicting me big time. When we repent, we must also be willing to destroy what we repent of. Okay? And I looked up, what does the word destroy means? Because that's a really heavy word. What does destroy mean? It means to put an end to the existence of. 
What does that mean to us? Here's what that means to us. Are you with me? It means when we repent of a particular sin, we should put an end to the existence of that sin. Why should we? Well, I could go, I could go back in the Old Testament and I could show you where God gave a command through his prophet Samuel. He said, tell Saul to kill everything. Kill Agag, kill it all. Kill all of it. And Saul did not do it. He did not do it. He disobeyed the Lord. And if you read in the scripture, it was, it was an Agag, it was an Amalekite that came back and took credit for murdering Saul. Though Saul really fell on his own sword, that same Amalekite got killed because he took credit for killing Saul and David was very upset about it. What does that mean? If you study that, what it means is little things do get bigger. It's okay to pet a little cub when it's a tiger, but it's going to get bigger. And if you keep petting that sin, it's going to destroy you if you don't destroy it. What God repented of, he destroyed. The reason why God doesn't want you to sin is not because he's a big, bad God that don't want you to have fun. The reason why God don't want you to keep on sinning is because sin will eventually destroy you. And this is why God wants you to destroy what you repent of so that it doesn't destroy you. Because the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But the Lord has come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Now I want to go back to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. Notice what the apostle Peter does not focus on. In this verse, he does not focus on the loss of life. He doesn't even address that. What the apostle Peter focuses on is he focuses on salvation. He was saying that because of the flood, there were eight people that were saved from their sinful world. What water did, ladies and gentlemen, this is very important. Water separated sinfulness from righteousness. The Bible says that Noah was righteous. He was a preacher of righteousness. So this water separated sinful humanity from righteous Noah. And the scripture tells us that Baptism, ladies and gentlemen, does not save us by washing dirt from our bodies. Rather, water baptism is a visible, it is a visible expression of obedience, but its work is done internally. Now what you are saying when you are baptized is you are saying you have decided to publicly acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, and you're going to become his disciple. That's one of the things of the many. Now, look at Romans 6 and 3. We're going to go deep into this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his what? We were baptized into his death. It goes on to say, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, the father, we, too, might walk in newness of life. Okay, now I'm going to try to break this verse down because that, too, is ambiguous. What does it mean? Here's what it's saying. When we, ladies and gentlemen, go down In the waters of baptism, it is a type of dying with Christ. 
Now, I know this gets deep, but stay with me. Romans 6 and 7, it says this. He that is dead is free from sin. If we go down in the water and it is a type of being baptized with Christ, we died with Christ, then that means that we are now dead or free from sin. So when we are raised up out of the waters of baptism, we walk now in newness of life. In other words, God reached. Here's what happens. And see, you got to get this by faith. It can only come by faith and revelation. This is why without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what happened in the mind of God, and this is deep, what happened in the mind of God is when he was crucified and when you were baptized, God reached forward into time and brought my sin its wages and its punishments of death back to the cross. So when we are buried with him in baptism, our old man is now crucified and we are raised to newness of life and we get to walk free and clear from all of the stain of yesterday and all of the sins that we have ever committed. Now, it just keeps getting better. Not only that, but now look at Colossians 2 and 11. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Now, I cannot get too deep into this because we have a young audience. But parents, you can later explain to your child what circumcision is. Most of you know what that is. I will not get into that, but it's important for this verse. In him, you were circumcised with a circumcision without hands. That means God never touched you physically to circumcise you. But putting off the body of the flesh. Now, what does that mean to put off the body of the flesh? Here it is. It means that we are no longer under the lordship of the flesh. We have been transferred into the kingdom of Christ And now we live under his lordship. Why? Because now our hearts in baptism have been circumcised. We are free from sin and we walk as new creatures in the newness of life. Let's keep going back to scripture. By the circumcision of Christ having been, here we go again, buried with him in baptism You were also, what, raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. It means, what that verse means is, is that in baptism, God did a very powerful work in your life. Your your old man was crucified with Christ, and I know this is hard for you to wrap your mind around, But when Christ was on that tree, it's as just as though you were crucified with him on that tree. The very sin that he died for, you died with him on that tree. But then just as he was raised from the dead, 
then when you come up out of that water is typology that now you are raised from the deadness of yesterday and your sin. And now you are raised a new creature in Christ Jesus. And old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. Continue in that verse, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven, say that with me, all our trespasses. How did he do that? How did he do that? He did that by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. With its legal demands, he set it aside and he nailed it to the cross. Now, I could go and give you a quick history lesson. In the Roman day, they would take and they would nail things to the cross of what that person was crucified about. And they would identify that person by nailing things to the cross. This is what the writer is speaking to. He is speaking to all of your sins, all of your faults, all of your flaws, who you were before Christ, all of who you were. You were dead and I was dead in trespasses and sins. Jesus Christ took all the handwritten ordinances that were against us in all of our sin and he nailed it to the cross and he And he literally wiped out all the evidence of your sin and your crime against him. So at water baptism, we go backward in time and God sees us as crucified with Christ. Now, this is very important. Imagine now in your mind, the courtroom is set. It's the judgment seat of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ sits on the throne as a judge. On the left-hand side is Satan. And Satan, the Bible says, is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses you. Okay? So now Satan, the accuser of the brethren, walks in to God's courtroom and he makes a complaint. And he puts you and I into a category. He says that we are thieves, we're liars, we're gossipers, we're murderers, we're adulterers, we're fornicators. And any number of the classifications of sin, he accuses us. But Jesus is our defense attorney. And even though Satan's argument against all of us is true, we have done many sin in our life. It is true. But, ladies and gentlemen, the written charges that hung over every one of our prison cell is erased. And Jesus blotted out. The handwritten ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us. And he took it out of the way and he nailed it to his cross. Not only did he remove the sin, he washed away the evidence. And there is no evidence of even a crime being committed. So that when the enemy comes in and accuses you of a crime, God looks back and says, I don't see it because it's in the blood. It's covered by the blood. I can't even see that. And so the enemy knows he can't go around the blood. He can't go over it. He can't go under it. And no matter how he accuses you, Christ has taken care of your sin at the cross. I'm free. I'm a new creature in Christ. 
My heart has been circumcised. As I've been studying this and taking a deep dive, the Lord's been showing me some things and I want to show them to you. Here it is. Look at Luke 1, 59, ESV version. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. Okay, I'm going to give you another example that I'm going to try to make this make sense. So he was circumcised on the eighth day. And do you agree he was named on the eighth day? Agree? Okay. Now look at Luke 2 and 21. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angels. Okay, why is this important? Because on the day of circumcision is the day that Jewish males get named. To this day, I've studied it. I've looked at it. You can go on Google and find out for yourself. Many Jewish males, even to this day, they get circumcised on the eighth day and they get their name on the eighth day. Why is this important? Because at water baptism is when we receive the name of Christ. Why? Why? Let's go back. Why, Pastor, is that important? Let's go back. Here it is. Here it goes. Colossians 2 and 11. In him, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. What does that mean? It means that when you go down in the water, God does an invisible work of circumcision. He no longer circumcises the male foreskin, but now he circumcises your heart and he cuts away all of the sin, the ugliness, all of that that is sin. He cuts it away and he gives you a new heart and everything you've ever done is now totally and completely under the blood. And you are circumcised and you receive a name. That's one of the reasons why at circumcision we receive a name. We receive the name of Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says that everything you do in word or in deed do all in the name of Jesus. I don't have time. I wish I did. But I could show you through the word of God. Jesus says, I have come in my father's name. He said, when you've seen me, you have seen the father. Are you still with me? Okay. Now, can I keep going? Okay. Now I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 10 and 1, King James Version. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. Now, it's important. Again, I can literally take two hours, but you can't endure that. The cloud... Do you know what a cloud is? A cloud is basically water molecules. That's what it is. It's millions of water molecules. This cloud was a type of Christ. This cloud led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and it led them to the sea. Now, look at Exodus 14, 13 and 14. The cloud, I don't want to go too fast. Moses delivers the people through the help, through, through God out of Egypt. They come out of Egypt and he leads them now to the Red Sea. They are at the Red Sea. The cloud 
has led them there. They're at the Red Sea. Now, this is very important. Look at Exodus 14, 13 and 14. They're at the water. They're standing before the Red Sea. Here's what Moses says. Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them no more forever. For the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Are you still with me? Now, while Moses is standing before the sea and he's crying out to God to save them his way, he's instructing the people to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The very next verse, verse 15, look what the Lord says. Wherefore thou criest unto me, speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Moses was wanting God to come and wave his hand over the Egyptians and annihilate them. And God said, I ain't doing that. Go forward. Go forward. And when they had done what Moses said, if they had done what Moses said and just stood still to see the salvation of the Lord, they would have diminished the need for water baptism. Y'all stay with me. If they had stood still, they would not have been saved. They would not have been delivered. They would have not been set free. No standing still is in the Bible, and it sounds good. It'll never work to remove the bondage of Egypt. The thing that had them bound, according to Scripture, for 400 years followed them into the sea. The same thing happens with us when we go into baptism. Everything that has bound us all of our life goes into the water with us and is overthrown and is defeated in the water. If you're with me, say amen. Now, the flood destroyed mankind. Do you agree with that? And the sea destroyed the Egyptians. It typifies the experience that takes place when we repent and are baptized for the remission of sins. The Lord cast our sins into the depths of the sea. The typology is, is that the Lord, the Lord used the flood to wash away the sinfulness of mankind and the Lord used the Red Sea to wash away the Egyptians. Repentance, ladies and gentlemen, is so important to the subject of baptism. Why? Because God wants to wash it away. Can I keep preaching? Okay. Now, let's go deeper. John the Baptist required repentance before being baptized. Jesus told us in his word to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The Old Testament word repent means to cut off. To destroy. It also means to turn. The New Testament word repent means to miss the mark. The message to repent, please stay with me, was not only to the worst of sinners. It was the message to the two most dominant religious groups of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Here's Matthew 3 and 7. 
But when many saw of the Pharisees and Sadducees came to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. The word meat, no, pardon me, go to verse 8. Then it goes on to say, bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. What does that word meat mean? It means we get it from the Greek word axiom that's equivalent to the English word action. In other words, John the Baptist was saying, you need to take action. That's why faith is always action. Faith is not yesterday. Faith is not tomorrow. Faith always operates in the now. And John the Baptist was calling them to action. What was he calling them to do? He was calling them to repent for their sins and to turn and follow the Lord holy. Now, in spite of the Pharisees and Sadducees' beliefs, this is very important, that they were purified by the washings of the Mosaic washings and the law. And in spite of the fact that none of their fathers, none of their ancestors, none of their grandfathers or great-grandfathers like Abraham was baptized this way, they now heard John's baptism of repentance preached and they were required to be baptized. I know it's going to get quiet. Remember what I told you at the beginning. They had religion. And no, their dad nor none of their ancestors were baptized this way, but the baptism of repentance was now required. And the Pharisees, please listen, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were not adulterers, they were not liars, they were not murderers, and they were not thieves. Their sin was the sin of selfishness and lacking compassion and showing mercy. And these things alone were enough to require the baptism of repentance. So the need to repent, to be baptized is clear. But why did Jesus even, why was he baptized? Because he who knew no sin, the Bible says, came to John to be baptized. Why? Because according to the Bible, it was to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, God was the first fruits of everything. He was our example. And if Jesus needed to be baptized, he was letting you know as the perfect man, he was doing it to fulfill righteous. He is the first fruits. He's being an example to you and I. We need to be baptized. So Jesus validates John's baptism as a mean to become righteous. What does righteous mean, pastor? It is the biblical state of a person who the judge pronounces not guilty when he strikes his gavel on the desk and releases him saying, the verdict is not guilty. I find you innocent. You are free to go just as if you never did it. When you are righteous, that means you are justified. The word justified, the very Simple definition means just as if you never did it. Did we do it? Yes, but in God's mind, we were crucified with Christ. He totally did away with our sin. 
He's no longer condemning us from our past, and he calls us as righteous. That's why we can take off the heavy garment and put on the garment of praise. That's why we can do what the song says. We can take the old ashes, and we can rejoice for the beauty of the garment that God has placed upon us. We can quit crying about yesterday, and we can praise him for who we are today. Hallelujah! Because he brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now notice, it was the largest religious sect, the Pharisees and the lawyers. These lawyers had a doctrine of divinity in the Mosaic law. Keep reading. You will find out Pharisees, Sadducees, and the doctors of the law walked away refusing to be baptized. And their refusal to be baptized meant they all walked away still guilty. Ladies and gentlemen, this is very important. There were those who walked into God's courtroom. Please hear this. There were those who walked into God's courtroom looking saved and sanctified on the outside with scriptures literally tied to their head and wearing long robes. But guilt was in their heart. And God looked at them. I didn't say this. God said it. He says, you are guilty. You are full of dead men's bones. And you are full of all uncleanliness. And yet these were people who never murdered, never committed adultery, never fornicated, tried to never lie. And yet God says, you are full of all uncleanness. Again, you do not have to believe what I am saying. But what I see is you and I as religious folk ought to be very careful that we got scriptures in our brain and we're wearing the long clothes, but we still walk in with judgmental attitudes, still walk in very selfish, not willing to serve nobody but ourselves, still have impure thoughts, but we look good on the outside so we think you are good. And I'm just here to remind all of us that God sees deeper than your long robes and the verses you got to memory. God sees your heart. Can you stay with me? Okay. Now, while the worst of sinners walked away justified, the tax collectors, the publicans, they walked away justified. The most dominant of the church folk group, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the doctors of the law, with the greatest knowledge and training in the Bible, rejected the counsel of God against themselves. This is the scariest verse in the Bible. Here's the scariest verse in the Bible. Here it is. You ready? He said, depart from me. I never knew you. And they're going to rebuttal and say, but we cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick in your name. And God is going to say, thank you for that. But inside your heart, you were judgmental. You did not show compassion on the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the immigrant. You were self-centered and only thought of yourself. He said, that's not who I am. Depart from me. I never knew you. But we wear long robes and we got scriptures memorized. But God says, your character and your nature is not like me. Can I keep preaching? 
Okay. In the Old Testament, at the point of John's baptism, all that were baptized, all were forgiven, free, innocent, just, and righteous. These met the requirements of salvation in the Old Testament period before Jesus' death on the cross. Okay? That all happened before Jesus' death on the cross. Very important. But on this side of the cross, you don't have to agree with me, but on this side of the cross, I'm telling you the Bible, the same disciples of John the Baptist were rebaptized. They were rebaptized in Jesus' name. I'm going to show you. Here's Acts 19, 3 through 5. And he said unto them, Until what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized you with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Verse number 5. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, this is very important. I've gone 40 minutes. I need a few more minutes. Very important. How could they, ladies and gentlemen, how could they be saved on the Old Testament side of the cross and need to be rebaptized on the New Testament side of the cross? All right. All right. Okay, I'm going to answer that. Please hear me. I'm going to answer that question. In the days of Noah, they were saved by entering a boat. But today, no one gets saved by stepping into a bass boat or a cruise ship or a pontoon boat. Nobody gets saved that way. They did. A lot of men would be saved. Do you agree? And women too. We got some women fishermen. Okay. If everybody agrees with that, can you shake your head? Yes. Okay. So we're together. Now, in the time of Moses... Okay, so we did Noah. We know that nobody stepping into a pontoon boat is going to be saved today, though they were saved when they stepped into the ark. Now in the time of Moses, all who were led by the cloud and passed through the sea were saved. But no one gets saved today by going outside on a cloudy day or by jumping into a lake. In John's day, they were baptized by John's baptism and they were saved. Before John's baptism, circumcision is what saved you. And with the male did it, everyone in his household came under the male. That's where you get the priest of your home. And they were saved because the male was saved. But then Jesus required more. He said, I want you to be baptized under John's baptism. And Jesus himself did it. But, ladies and gentlemen, let me have your attention If John's baptism remitted sin, then Jesus would not have had to die, but rather teach all mankind to subject themselves to the baptism of John. I'm going to say this again. Acts 19.5. Again, you don't have to agree. I'm showing you in Scripture. If John's baptism remitted sin, then his disciples would not have needed to be rebaptized again. They were rebaptized on the other side of the cross. John's baptism was sufficient until the total remission of sins became possible by what Jesus did in the New Testament. 
I'm closing. But I need you to hear me. In the New Testament, the apostles and the disciples never used a triune method of baptism. Had the apostles made new converts by baptizing them other than in the name of Jesus, the Jewish leaders would have fought against it. Why? Because all Jews in the Old Testament believe in one God. Okay. I'm not trying to cross swords with nobody. I promise to God. But after hours and hundreds of hours of studies and reading after scholars, scholars say they can't refute it, that there are no Trinitarian scriptures in the Old Testament. There are none. And when they say, when they say in Genesis that let us make man in our image, they try to say that that was the triune God. But scholars will tell you that most believe it was not the triune God. It was God talking to his courtroom. And the people that were in his courtroom can't even get into that. But scholars will tell you there are no Trinitarian scriptures in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, our God is one. Do I believe in the Father? Yes. He was the Father in creation. Do I believe in the Son? Yes, I do. He is the Son in redemption. Do I believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I do. He is in regeneration. But those three are together in one. Just as I am a father, I am a son, and I have a spirit. I am called by many names, pastor, preacher, father, husband, friend, painter. Gas filler upper for my wife. Handyman. But when you want me, when you want the painter, if you want me to paint, I used to paint. Not good at it, but I used to do it. But if you want the painter, you don't say, hey, painter, come here. You call me by my name. Because when you call me by my name, you get the painter. You get everything that I am when you call my name. Hey, I'm not trying to cross swords with any of you. I promise to God. They fought against Jesus. Then why did they fight against Jesus? For he was the only name used in healing. That's why they fought against him. He was the only name used in salvation. That's why they, the disciples were threatened. They were beaten and some killed. Is why? Is because they preached in the name of Jesus. Everything they did in word or in deed, they did it all in the name of Jesus. And I close with this. If the disciples, please hear this. If the disciples, if the disciples did not do what Jesus said to do as he is departing from this earth, if they did not fulfill his command and that they did not carry out his word, then nine 
baptisms listed in the New Testament means the disciples totally disobeyed the Lord. Because the nine baptisms that are listed in this Bible were baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. That's why we baptized. I'm going to recap and then I'm done. Noah was saved by a flood. Him and his family. It separated sin from righteousness. All of the Egyptians came to the sea and they thought, they were here, we got them now. Moses wanted them to stand still. God says, go forward. And when they went through the Red Sea, God looked at it as a type of baptism. And when the waters came back in, it drowned the Egyptians. And they never went back. And the Egyptians never came to them because it was a brand new day. Everything from their past was cut off. Then they went in the Mosaic Law where the priest as typology washed himself clean, but nobody else did. Then they went to John's baptism and God said, this is right. You need to do this. Even though you're doctors of divinity, you still need to get baptized. Even though you're not thieves and murderers, adulterers and liars, you still have selfishness in your heart and uncleanliness in your heart. You're still not showing mercy to the orphan and the widow. You're not doing it like me. So you need to be baptized. So Jesus himself did it. Then after the cross... God gave a command to his disciples and we see that command nine separate times in the New Testament and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What? For the remission of their sins. So when we go down, we're baptizing four people today. When we go down in this water, a supernatural work of grace happens and your heart is circumcised and Christ sees you as dead, as crucified with him. And when you come up out of, again, this is figuratively speaking, when you come out out of that watery grave, it's a typology of you being raised to newness of life. And everything in your past is now washed away. And Christ no longer sees your sin, your failure, your faults, your flaws, your idiosyncrasies. He sees you as being raised to newness of life. And you are a new creature in Him. You are circumcised, and not only are you circumcised in your heart, you are now named. And you are named through the name of Christ, which is the name of Jesus. And the Bible says this, they called him Jesus. Why? Because he has come to take away the sins of his people. There are people trying to tell you that baptism is important, it's optional. I'm going to tell you, you have a right to believe what you want to. I'm not here to make you do anything. God never asked me to make you do anything. God asked me to preach to you the truth in love. So I want to say once again, I love you. Not here to cross swords with you or to make you like me. I've just simply preached to you what I see in the word of God. And we're going to baptize nine people today. And all I ask you to do, all I ask is that you just simply think about.
what was spoken to you from the word of the Lord. Would you stand together? Macy's going to be baptized today. Her parents are with her. Lacey's going to be baptized today. Her folks are with her. Thank you. David is going to be baptized. And his daughter Aubrey is going to be baptized. Do you all have a few minutes? I know I took more than 40. I do apologize. But my first five were introduction. So those don't count. Whatsoever you do, and word or indeed, do all in the name of Jesus. I want you to understand that I do not deny the Father. I do not deny the Son. I do not deny the Holy Spirit. But as they are getting ready, I can show in Revelation. I'm going to turn there. Revelation 4 and 2. Here it is. It's not even going to come up on the screen unless they put it up because I didn't give them the message. Here's John speaking. Y'all with me? Say amen. Here's Revelation 4 and 2. Immediately, this is John. I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one, one, sat on the throne. When you and I see God, we're going to see God in the face of Jesus Christ. God was already Jesus in heaven. He just wrapped himself in flesh and was called by a new name. But ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to go to titles, then that means we can start talking about he's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's Jehovah Sitzkanu. There's many things that he is, but those are all attributes of his character and who he is. But the angel said this, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for they shall, he shall save his people from their sins. Okay. Father, I thank you for your word. You know my heart. Only you know it. I have not come here to upset anybody. I haven't come here to cross swords with anyone. I've just come here today to share the word of God and to share the importance of your word. God, you made man, and then just a few chapters later, baptism was introduced. So, Lord, it's important, and it's all throughout Scripture. According to what I see and read, with hundreds of hours of study, it's not optional. God commanded everyone to repent and to be baptized, for it is the work of grace. It is where we are circumcised in our hearts. And we are raised to newness of life. Father, I pray today that you would give all of us revelation in the mighty name of Jesus. They're going to sing a little song. And if you don't have to go, I wish you don't. I hope you don't have to go. I hope you can give me about five more minutes. They're going to just sing a song. And as they sing it, would you just raise up your hands and would you just ask the Lord to allow revelation? Would you do it? Would you, would you pray with me? Father, let revelation come into this house.
Come on. You know what? I want y'all to give him a big hand. This is David. This is Aubrey. Macy. And then... All right. Where's Lacey? Lacey, wave your hand. Everybody give a big hand to Lacey. Now, if you're family, you can come up here. If you're family, you can come up. I'm going to tell you all that in the new building, we're going to baptize downstairs. And we're going to have a camera on them. And it's going to be on our big old giant screen. So I'm really excited about that. Because this is a hallmark moment in their life. You'll never forget it. All right, Aubrey, you ready, sweetie? Okay, baby, come on up. That's a big step right there. You know, somebody said that, somebody said that when you reach a child, let me say it like this. They said that when you reach an elder, you reach a life. But when you reach a child, you reach a lifetime. And today... Aubrey's making a confession of faith. She says she has repented of her sins, which is a prerequisite for baptism. And now we're going to put her down in the name of Jesus. And we're going to hold her under about four minutes so she gets really good and baptized. (laughs) No, we're not, baby. I'm joking. It'll barely be four seconds, much less four minutes. But when you come up, sweetie, I want you to come up and I want you to raise your hands. Because I took a long time to explain something that's going to happen in an instant. I took 50 minutes to explain what God's going to do in just a second. You're going to come up a new creature. Your heart is going to be circumcised. You're going to have the name of Jesus that you can use in prayer over sin, over Satan, over self. In the name of Jesus. Man, that's rich stuff, isn't it? All right, come up here, sweetie. Get get close. Guess what? No, just right there. you you got, you're, you're the first one in here. That means the water's real clean. But it's not the water that's going to clean the outside of you. What's going to happen is spiritual. It's going to take place inside. Aubrey, if you would, baby, take your hand, hold your nose. On the confession of your faith, sweetheart, and the obedience to God's command, we now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the remission of all your sins. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, that the work of God just happened. Hallelujah! That she is a new creature in Christ. Your name has been applied to her life. All things in her own sinful nature, hallelujah, is now washed away as far as the east is from the west. And we thank you for a new life in Christ. Lord, in the good work that you have started, complete it in the name of Jesus. Everybody give a big hand to Aubrey right now. Come on, everybody. Excited about it. All right, Macy. Macy, come on, sweetheart. You're all right. Macy's a sweet girl. She's like her pawpaw. She's got a lot of personality. 
and I'm going to put her at the door greeting because that girl, she can talk to a telephone pole. And I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if the telephone pole didn't talk back because that girl can talk. But you know what? God gave her that gift. And we're going to use that gift in TPC for the glory of God. Macy, I'm going to put you on the spot. I told you I wouldn't embarrass you, so I'm not going to do it. Well, I want to, but I don't want to embarrass you. I just, I just want you to use your gift, that gift you got for Christ. Because you got a, you got a million-dollar smile, girl. You're a cutie pie. And God wants to use that cuteness and that gift for his purposes. Not for the devil's purposes, for his purposes. God gifted you not so you can go out there and make the devil happy, so you can go out and make God happy, make his people happy, serving, serving God by serving his people. I wish I could recruit you to work at the doors because maybe you will. Macy, what is about to happen is an absolute transformation. It is a miracle that you had to receive by faith, but it's happening and it's going to happen. You're going to come up out of this water, a new creature in Christ. Things are going to change in your life and you're going to feel different because you're going to be different. Would you take your hand now and hold your nose? Macy, on the confession of your faith, sweetheart, and the obedience to God's command, we now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the remission of all your sins. Praise God. Praise God, somebody. The good work. The good work, God, that you started in Macy. You're going to use all of her gifts, her beautiful smile, her beautiful personality. Hallelujah. You're going to use it right here the furtherance of your kingdom in the name of the Lord let her walk in the newness of life that just that just transpired through faith in his name amen come on everybody give Macy a big hand ah well that's so good isn't it now you guys and gals y'all hang out because pastor wants to take a picture with you Lacey, you ready, baby? David, we're going to make you wait till last, son. You're the man. We're going to treat We got you, baby. We got you. This is Lacey, everybody. And Lacey is making a public confession of faith that she has decided. Boy, I wish y'all knew that old song. It's an old song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. I had decided to follow Jesus, and I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Lacey, I'm telling you, what is about to happen happens by faith. You have to receive it by faith. But your heart is fixing to be circumcised. When you go down in that watery grave, you're going to go down one way, but you're going to come up another way. Hallelujah. You're going to feel different because you're going to be different. And God wants to take all of your gifts, talents, and abilities, and he wants to use it to serve this body. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. You see all this right here? All of this becomes... Yeah, wave at them. Wave at them. Serious, wave at them. Yeah. Y'all wave at Lacey. You know what's fixing to happen? Listen, this is true. You're now born into a family. This is not an occult. You can get out if you want to, but you're born into a spiritual family. And we serve you with our gifts, and you in turn serve us with your gifts. And that's how we all serve God. It's going to be different. You're going to be different today. You're going to be different today. You ready? 
Okay, this is going to transpire. It's going to happen. Lacey, here we go. On the confession of your faith, girl, and the obedience to God's command, we now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the remission of all your sins. Come on, Lacey. David, come on, my man. David told me he was baptized when he was just a kid, but he has no knowledge of it, has no remembrance of it. And I told him, listen, David, I was baptized when I was six, and I remember it like it was yesterday. So let's do this again, because you ain't going to forget this one. This is going to be marked in your mind, David. My God, son, I'm telling you, no matter what you've done, who you've done it with, how long you've done it, all of that has been washed away. It is under the blood. It was nailed to the cross. None of that is against you anymore. When you go down in that watery grave, you're going to come up a new creature. Your heart has been circumcised, and his name has been applied to your life. What do I need that name for? Because when the devil comes against me, I come to the devil in the name of Jesus. Come on. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. When sickness tries to come, Satan, by his stripes, I am healed. When my old flesh rises up, God, I was buried in a watery grave in the name of Jesus. I am a new creature in Christ. Make sense? All right. Well, I got to stop. Shoot. Take your hand there, David, and hold your nose. Son, on the confession of your faith and the obedience to God's command, we now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the remission of all your sins. Come on, David, lift up your hand and tell him, Father, I surrender to you. I will walk this out with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll walk it out as a new creature in Christ Jesus to fulfill your commands and your purposes in the earth. And God, I will serve you and I will serve your people with my gifts, with my talents and my abilities. And Father, the good work that you started. 